some special guests today. Um, I think it's always a treat when we have um, missionaries visiting. Uh, as, we, as we're going through the book of Acts, I've pointed this out before, we see um, Paul, when he's coming back from his missionary journeys, where does he go? He goes back to his home church, and he always shares with them all God was doing um, because they were a part of that. Whether they knew it or not, they were a part of everything God was doing through their support, through their prayers, through their encouragement. Paul understood that what God was doing wouldn't be possible without his support network, his home church or whatnot. So he'd come and share with them. And there's that verse in um, uh, Matthew 6, 21 that says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I don't know if you guys have under realized that that's a principle of life, that where your treasure is, the, th- the things you invest in, your time, your finances, um, those are the things that you love in life. And when we invest in things of the Lord, you know, whether that's through our prayers, through our time, um, through our finances, you, the Lord just kind of knits your heart like to where, to really care about those things, to love those things. And so when it comes to our missionaries, uh, the people that through your faithful support, your tithes and offerings that we support as a church, that we pray for, many of us know because we've been down there and we visited these guys and we've served alongside them and some of us stay in touch with them and encourage them. We, we love them. We love hearing about what the Lord is doing. And I don't know about you, but it always blows me away because I just, I'm always just astounded or just amazed that God would use this little church in the middle of nowhere, that he could use this little church in the middle of nowhere to do so much around the world for his glory. It's like that verse in Ephesians 3.20 where it says, like, he does exceedingly more than you could ever ask or think. Like, he just takes our five loaves and two fish and he just blesses it and multiplies it. And so it's always a huge encouragement for me to to get to hear, to get to hang out with um, our missionaries. And Hassan and his wife Stacy are very special because the very first mission trip I ever went on in my life was here at Coastline, and it was down to see them. They had just gotten this old building uh, in Los Palmos or near Tecate, Mexico. I probably didn't say that right. But down there in, in Baja um, that they were planning a church in, and, and it was this warehouse that had been used as a meth lab. And we went down with them, um, just a group of guys. We powered down in a van overnight. It went through a whole Costco-sized thing of red vines. That was a mistake. Um, but just to keep us awake, but went down and, and, and just um, served and, and started to restore this church. And uh, the Lord has knit us together with them. They, they were missionaries that didn't come out of our church, but through a divine appointment, Lord puts in contact with them and just made it clear that this church was supposed to be a part of, of supporting them. And it's been really cool to watch all the things the Lord has done through them through the years, most recently in Acapulco, Mexico. So I'm going to in- introduce Hassan Villegas, and he's going to come share the word with us today in testimonies. Wow, um, what a blessing. Can you hear me? Am I good? All right. You didn't mention your swag, man, that t-shirt that we brought you. Um, and you look good in it. After last night's dinner with the dessert and everything, I'm like, there's no way he's going to fit in that shirt, but you pulled it off, man. I wanted to bring more shirts for everybody, but it was either underwear and socks or t-shirts. And I had to have underwear and socks. My wife would have given me a hard time. I'm so blessed to be here, guys. You have no idea. Um... I'm serious, and you think, well, that's just what people say when you come visiting the church. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. Um, this church has been good. <clears throat> um, actually, I'm going to be honest. I was a little nervous. I, in, in Mexico, especially in, in Acapulco in the south, um, teaching with uh, exposed tattoos is like a big no-no. And I'm so used to teaching a long sleeve. When I came, I was like, oh, man, maybe we should have brought a long sleeve. And then I saw Smiley. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good to go. This guy's just like, got it down. Smiley's my hero. Or he was my hero up until he raised his hand about the whole marriage thing. <sighs> but, no, nah, man, I love that guy. I love all of you guys. I mean, it's, it's awesome seeing a bunch of uh, faces that have been down with us for uh, many years in our lives, in our ministry. My wife knows this. I hate when I get, like, emotional. I really do. I, I'm, I'm too proud for that. 
But how about we pray that the Lord allow me to express myself, express his heart rather. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. And I pray we can taste that goodness this morning, as we already did, and just in worship, but that we'd leave just edified, encouraged, ready for more. I ask that you'd express your heart to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. As Pastor Chris mentioned, um, you guys weren't our sending church, but you've been by our side for a long time, for uh, the 18 years of ministry in Mexico. We've, uh, we've had support, actually from all around, our sending church, but... Um, Throughout the 18 years, you know, people come and go. And even our, our sending church, whom we love to this day, we love them still. They um, got a new senior pastor, and the new senior pastor had a new vision for missions. He has every right. And uh, we were cut off. And I mean, this was like when we're starting <clears throat> in Acapulco. Is there a tissue around here? Wow, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I really am. Uh, thank you. Our sending church, apart from all others that have come and gone, um, you know, came to that decision that, you know, we love you guys, but we're just going a different route. But the one church that's never left our side, it's Coastline. That's huge. That's a huge. You know, every, every household struggles, you know, how am I going to provide for my family? Especially when you're down, far away, and you lose your support, it's challenging, it's hard. But knowing that you guys are right there, without ever skipping a beat. And you know, if anyone, seriously, if anyone had a legitimate reason to cut ties with us, it actually was you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. Why do I say that? When we had started, I think it was probably one of the first trips, like first official trips that you guys came. We were in Baja and we had an orphanage and you showed up. We, we had, well, hold on, rewind. We, uh, we were struggling with the orphanage. It's a very, very hard ministry. I have a whole new respect for those that run orphanages. And um, we were struggling, and we had to close the orphanage. And of all times to come visit us, you guys came the day we had to close. And the church knowledge could have said, why are we going to get behind this minute? Look, these guys don't know what they're doing. I mean, there, there's no way we're going to come behind it. I mean, seriously, humanly speaking, you had every reason to say, Hassan, you're cool. We love you, but we're going to keep going down uh, south and seeing what comes up. But no. Even at our worst, even at our worst, you guys kept coming. And so we are very indebted to you guys. We love you. And just so you know, when, when I do say that I'm blessed to be here, it's not just, like I said, it's not just something that you say. I truly am blessed beyond measure. And um, so what I want to do is give a, uh, give like an update. And uh, hopefully encourage us in a certain theme that we're going to look at today. And I hope that this will uh, just give us that, that strength for another day, you know. So, Calvary Acapulco. Now, I know people think, oh, Acapulco, poor you, missionary, you know, suffering out there. Um, no, it's, it really, truly is tough. Um, people think, well, if you're down there, you're going to be at the beach every day. And we go to the beach when visitors come, so please come. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> my wife's there. It is baptisms or when visitors come. Um, but it's, uh, it's been a challenge. And we're going now, um, almost 10 years in Acapulco. And through those years, almost 10 years, we've still been and still are 
the second to third most dangerous city in the world. You can look, it'll change, different um, cities, but Acapulco is has always stayed at the second or third more, most dangerous city. So uh, we've been consistent in that, and that's been uh, a big challenge in, in so many different ways. Um, well, just look at it this way. We're, being the top dangerous city, one of the top dangerous cities, it puts us above Caracas, Venezuela. I don't know if you guys have seen the things that are going on over there. It puts us uh, way above Cape Town, South Africa. And it puts us just a, a little over Portland, Oregon. It's, it's, we're neck and neck with, with, with uh, Portland, Oregon. No, uh, true story, true story, true story. I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody, but here I go. So I, we came with our family one time with our kids. We were coming over here and we had... Uh, made our way through Portland, and our kids were raised in Mexico, in Acapulco. Um, they've had, uh, seriously, friends that were kidnapped, never again seen. And when we were in Portland, our kids were like, Dad, get us out of here. They were afraid for their life. It was so funny. It's like, dude, you're from Acapulco. And they were afraid, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I, I got to get out of here too. No, no, no bash, but um, the reality is, at least, at least 90% of our congregants have had a close relative, a family member that's been kidnapped or murdered. Um, it's very rare to find someone that hasn't had that happen to them. Uh, one of our worship leaders um, made the mistake one time of driving out late night, heading to, uh, to Mexico City. And you know you just don't do those things late night. Well, he decided to do it and what happens? His car breaks down 2 o'clock in the morning. He's got his wife and his kids with him. And lo and behold, here comes the guys from the cartel. And they say, well, here's the deal. Your wife's coming with us. And there's nothing you can do about it. And he, there was nothing he could do about it. Either they all die there, him try and be a hero, or comply and maybe work this out. And so they took her for uh, three days. And we were praying. We were praying really hard, just... We know her. We love her. Actually, this couple is actually going to be our next church plant. Um, and the Lord uh, kept her safe. We, like I said, it's 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 man. It's a very very good chance that you won't come back. And she's a, a, a young lady, um, which is even more dangerous. And when she did, he paid a ransom. And when she did come back, she said. They didn't touch your hair on my head. I was in a room with a whole bunch of other ladies, and God kept me safe. And so uh, that was just like oh, such a huge relief because we thought, no, this is this is not going to go down the right road. And um, I share it just to make you aware that it, it is tough. Yeah, cool beaches, but who cares? It's 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 a really difficult situation. Everyone, for the most part, plays a cartel fee. If you have a business, you have to pay a fee. It's very hard to prosper in Mexico. The moment you show any form of success, the cartel notices it and they get you right away. But even you don't even have to have big, uh, big uh, business. The taco guy in the corner, he get he has to pay a cartel fee. Um, actually, we had an awesome testimony. Our children's ministry director one time they came in to. Um, extort and say, hey, we noticed that you guys haven't been paying your fees. And she she's a, a bold lady. She's awesome. She said, oh, I pay. I, I pay the big boss. Now, she's referring to the Lord. She says, oh, I pay. I pay the big boss. And they're like, who, who, who's the big boss? And she goes, oh, you don't know who he is? Oh, if you don't know who he is, you're in trouble. And they started getting nervous. They're like, uh, uh. And so uh, they took off, didn't take a dime from her. I thought that was, man, I, I don't have that bold. I don't have that boldness. But uh, it's just a reality that we live. And actually, for a very long time, we didn't paint our church building. It, the exterior looks abandoned, desolate, and we kept it that way because we knew the moment we paint it up and make it look like something's there, we're going to get hit up. Well, we did end up uh, painting it, and the reason why we ended up painting it is because one day... Um, during the service, I saw a guy, they call him hawks, halcon in Spanish, that go and they spy out everything to see if everyone's paying, stuff like that. One of them walked in and I knew, they all had the same look. And I knew this was one of those guys. 
Um, the way he came in, just like a, a scowl on his face. He comes in like he's very proud. He sits right in the very front. And is just giving a very dirty look. And I know, okay, this guy is preparing after service. He's going to hit us up and ask to pay. And so um, we had service. As soon as we finished, he took off. So I was like, all right, well, let's see what happens after that. And literally a week later, our youth pastor was having his young adults meeting. And that same guy shows up. He shows up drunk. And as he, since he's drunk, he starts spilling the beans. He's like, hey, uh, you know, they sent me to go spy on you guys. I had to check out what you guys are doing and to give you the message. But you guys are all right. Don't worry about it. And, and he took off. Well, he kept saying a bunch of other things, and then he took off. And so I thought, well, now that they know we're here, might as well paint our building. And so that's why we painted our building, and we have not been bothered. The Lord's uh, kept us safe. And seriously, my wife and I, even though these things are around us, like, all the time, we've had the peace of God completely um, on us. Yes, it was, you know, with our three boys, it did give us comfort when they left Acapulco because, you know, poor guys, really, they were like on lockdown. They couldn't do uh, all the things that a regular teenager does. Um, they had to always either stay right by the house or check in every five minutes. It, it was tough. And so when they went out, we had a lot more peace um, knowing that, yeah, the situation over there is tough. But, man, some awesome things going on. Um, we have... Uh, Okay, I'm jumping ahead myself. Let me get to that, what the Lord's doing. Um, apart from that, like, when we talk about, oh, living in Acapulco must be real nice. Uh, apart from the cartel, like, if the cartel doesn't kill you, the weather will. I mean, it's seriously hot and muggy every day. There, there's actually uh, pros and cons the, about living in, in, in Acapulco. The, the pro is that it's hot enough to go to the beach every day. That's a pro. It's hot enough to go to the beach every day. The con is, it's hot enough to go to the beach every day. <laughs> every day. I mean, you can't escape this. When it's raining, we thought, okay, well, maybe it'll be a little bit more cool. You're still sweating even during the, the rainy season. So it really does bring us challenges. And then during that season, the mosquitoes come in. My poor wife was eaten alive. She, I'm not exaggerating. She looked like a leper. Poor woman was just eaten up from head to toe. She was miserable. Um, it really is challenging. I'm putting a good picture for you guys to come visit, huh? I got to catch my baby. You got to give me a heads up. It's like, do this. No. Um, so the good things about Acapulco, serving in Acapulco, is we get to witness a lot of salvation. We get to witness a lot of growth. There's a lot of Christians that love Jesus but have no idea what the Word of God says because there's very little Word that's actually taught um, in the majority of Acapulco. Well, obviously, I think you guys know Southern Mexico, uh, capital uh, city of Catholicism. I mean, that's that's huge. So the little Word that they do get comes from tradition, and most of them don't even understand what it's saying. The priest is speaking in Latin and stuff, and so they don't understand. So when they finally encounter the Lord and his word, you see lives just like, wow, completely transformed, and it just blesses our hearts so much to be able to see that. And what this atmosphere creates, this dark atmosphere, it makes this church shine that much more bright. Because in Acapulco, and a lot of other cities, obviously, in, in Mexico, but specifically in Acapulco, there's nowhere that provides hope. The government can't help you, won't help you. The police will definitely not help you. The church, the Catholic church has nothing to offer. The only place people can go to get some hope is the church. And so we've seen the Lord just send them, just bringing because they're desperate. They don't know what else to do. And so... What we're seeing here is not only just lives being transformed, but the need to continue planning churches. And so one of the things that really wasn't something I planned originally, like, oh, let's be a church planning fellowship. What happened is, you know, my assistant at that time, we sent him out to uh, the Capitol, and it was just something that we thought was perfect timing. And right away we saw, wait a minute, 
there's like fruit right away. It, it, it seems like anywhere we plant a Calvary, or it, it seems like anywhere, if we do plant a Calvary, there's going to be fruit. So we just started cranking them out. We have uh, now three church plants from our fellowship that are throughout Calvary, I mean, throughout uh, Acapulco. And each one is doing awesome. And uh, and these are and some of them are in areas that I could never go to. Um, it's just too dangerous for me to go to. But we have locals that we're training up, we're equipping so that when they go back to these areas, um, there's no problem. They, they blend right in. They know the people. They know even some of the bad people. And so we see an absolute green light to be planning churches. So if you can pray for us, pray that the Lord would give us more leaders so we can send out pastors. My heart right now is to get as many Calvaries out in what is our whole state of Guerrero. Because um, there's, it, it's, it's huge. Just in Acapulco alone, it's a million people. And so any church plant we have, even if it's just 30 minutes away, I mean, there's thousands of people right there. And so we're seeing an awesome fruit with that. And, uh, it's very evident that the Lord's doing something. And hopefully, before the year ends, um, we hope to, uh, to plant our fourth Calvary Chapel in, uh, in another part of uh, our town, which would be the northern part of Acapulco. We already have that couple. Actually, there's that couple I was telling you about who his wife was sequestered. Um, they will be planting, Lord willing, uh, in the next couple of months. And, uh, and you know, it's... Oh, Jesus. And, and I know, we know that. It's all, all, all Jesus. But I just want you to really know this because I'm not smart enough to pull this off. I'm just not. I'm not this like strategy guy. It's like, hey, let's, let's talk about the dynamics and the different things we can do. I, I wish I was, but I'm just not. And thank God because that way he gets the glory. So, um, we have pretty much, how can I say this? When you see what's happening, people can say, wow, you know, what's, what's the strategy or whatever? Um, and it's to the contrary. My Spanish really isn't that great. It really isn't. You think, okay, after 18 years, um, but man, I'm still learning. Actually, it's even more difficult. Southern Mexico, they speak proper Spanish, which is different. It's, it's a lot uh, more difficult. Um, for someone that doesn't know, you think, oh man, pastor is fluent, he speaks great Spanish, but when I go over there, or when I'm there, um, anyone I talk to that's not from their church knows right away I'm not from there. They, they know I'm I'm a foreigner, my uh, accent's thick, uh, I get a lot of words wrong. Um, I didn't go to some like four-year university um, to study, you know, in-depth uh, theology. Um, I'm a pastor that's covered in tattoos. And by Mex- the reason they say that is because by Mexican standard, Mexico standard, our ministry should be an utter failure. I'm serious. When you put up what we have to offer or things that are against us, it's like, there's no way this church here should do what it's be, what, what should, or can do what it's doing right now. It, it just, and thank God for that because there's no way I can say or anyone can say Hassan or what Stacy and I did. Absolutely not. It's Jesus Christ opening a huge door in Guerrero um, to be able to rock the world and turn it upside down for him. We have a men's discipleship that, I, that I'm doing where we train up uh, future pastors and, and leaders with the goal to go and plant more churches um, because uh, the door's open. The door's open. Uh, like I said, I, I, I have everything that would that, that should go kind of against us. We, we've had people that... Um, knew, I actually, when I got there, I actually kind of got popular in our town as the tattooed pastor. And we actually got the, the, the fame of being called the hippie church. And I thought, that's rad, man. I mean, I just thought about, uh, uh, Chuck Smith back in the day. I was like, man. So we're called the hippie church, the tattooed pastor. And that actually had a draw because people showed up just out of the curiosity. To think, well, what's this guy gonna, what's he teaching? Obviously he's gonna be like, just like some oddball, not teaching scripture. And they come and it's, well, you guys know how we teach. Sound solid doctrine. There was one lady in particular that I said, Pastor, I remember that she and her family lived above us, up the street. And when she'd come by, she would see me washing my car, my 
in a tank top or if I um, didn't have a shirt, you know, it's hot over there. She'd be like, who would go to his church? Look at this foul man. And she became the awesome part of our fellowship. I And I'm just sharing this to, to show you, man, the Lord is good. He does these things. We can come up with plans or whatever, but it's all him. So the ministry, by the grace of God, is thriving. People are falling in love with Jesus. And some, like I said, could think, well, what's the program? No, no program. There's nothing that we came up with. But I do believe there is an important element. And that's what I want to share on today. And that important element is faithfulness. It's, it's one of the most overlooked qualities. It really is. And I was talking to you guys, look at the power of your faithfulness. You guys have been faithful, man. And here we are doing what we're doing um, because we have a beautiful church family like yourselves that have gone behind us regardless. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the ministries of God. Moreover, it is required, suggested, no, required of stewards that they be found, what does it say, family? Faithful. That is a requirement, to be found faithful. Now, seriously, I can imagine, as I'm sure you can as well, many other requirements that would go above that. Godliness, self-control, good testimony, knowing the word, being able to teach. And these things are important, and they are mentioned in Scripture. But like I said, one that is overlooked is faithfulness. Faithfulness is extremely important to God. You and I count on that. You know that, right? We count on his faithfulness. The reason we're here, the reason that we can say, wow, I'm saved today, is because he is faithful. So it is so important. Like if we didn't know that, if we had all this beautiful doctrine and theology about God's um, saving grace and everything, it would just awesome, but if we didn't know about the faithfulness, we can think, well, what if what if he decides that tomorrow I'm not saved? But he says, no, you can count on my faithfulness. That's powerful. And like I said, me personally, I thought the most important requirement for a minister, just me speaking, was to understand theology and doctrine. Obviously, that's important. But I really thought that, that out of everything what the Lord needs of me or wants of me is that I'm profound in theology. I know my doctrine. But the reality is I can find a lot of people who know theology. I can get a hold of a multitude that understand sound doctrine. But finding faithful servants, that's a whole other thing, family. I'm serious, and I'm sure Pastor Chris can attest to this and a lot of other pastors, that that's a big difference. Man, there's a lot of theologians. But a person that's always there, that says, you can count on me, that I don't have to worry about it, that I just know they're going to fulfill, those are few. You can see on social media, oh, there's so many theologians today. Everyone just has all this insight, and you think, wow, look at these great men, but definitely not faithful. They show up when they want to show up and they or show up late, leave early, really don't care much if uh, the ball gets dropped or needs don't get met. Man, they're, they're few. So I've learned that over 18 years in the mission field that there are a lot of people who are better prepared than myself or better trained than myself and they can do obviously what I would think a better job than myself. But my question is, but where are they? Why? And I share this, when I, when I share this message over in Mexico, I, I say, hey, listen, there's more qualified people, so why am I here? Why do I have to be here? What, what, what's the difference? 
How come they're not here? How come they're not in my position taking over this ministry? Well, they don't show up. They're not faithful. The difference between them and myself is I've decided to show up. Seriously. And I think a church would rather have a pastor that shows up. Maybe he's not the most profound or or proficient. Prolific. See? Perfect example. Speaker. But they would definitely love someone that they know they can count on. When I started in the ministry, you know, seriously, one of the things that, one of the reasons I'm in Mexico now, obviously we all know it's because of the Lord, but it's because I just kept showing up. What do I mean by that? When we were in our home church, they said, hey, we're having a mission trip down to Baja. We need servants, we need workers, and I showed up. And so we went, and I was the youngest guy there. I was, I don't know, 20 three years old, 22, 23 years old. Uh, I've worked construction, but compared to the guys that I was with, I was the runt with the least experience. Everyone longer walks with the Lord and way more knowledge on, on building because we're building this orphanage. And so um, I would keep doing this. You know, every time they had it, I'd show up and I'd show up and I'd show up. And the pastor one day says, Hassan, um, we want you to be the guy that's in charge of the Mexico missions, the mission trips. Remember, I was the least qualified out of all these men. Why? I was the only one that kept showing up. Seriously, that's what it was. I was the only one that my pastor said, well, we know Hassan will show up. These are all these awesome men whom I love and don't, you know, not to speak less of them. These are good, godly men. But what separated me from them, and please, I'm not saying this, wow, look at the sun. No, I'm just, what I really want to share is the simplicity of faithfulness. Because we think, you know, the world shows us, you do this and you do this, and if you got, got these things in a row, oh, you're going to prosper. Man, all I did was show up. And here I am 18 years later, still showing up. Faithfulness is very important to the Lord. A simple definition for myself that I'd like to explain it. A simple definition of faithfulness is, To be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be. That's simple. To be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be. And it's difficult to find people like that. Everyone has excuses. And seriously, we're going to read a text where we see some, in our human thinking, some legitimate excuses. Uh, Open your Bibles to Luke 9.59. Luke 9, verse 59. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. When you seriously look at their excuses, humanly speaking, it doesn't sound like they're being prima donnas, like, well, let me first, you know. They're saying some things that, hey, I, I want to say goodbye to my family. Hey, I, I need a bury. I'm not going to get a whole text on why that words, they weren't really legitimate. But I'm saying, humanly speaking, there's always going to be good reasons. Seriously. Legitimate excuses. Why not to serve? There will always be. Always. Something. That you can attend to or need to attend to. That's life. That's how it is. We just have to be determined to say, I want to serve the Lord. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to be faithful to the Lord. Man, especially nowadays, they can um, really just, we, we, we could really justify why not to do Certain things. It's very easy. It is. Anyone can do it. I think many of us have said those famous words of Isaiah. Here am I. Here I am. Send me. Without, let me just ask. Has anyone here ever prayed that prayer? Lord, here am I. Send me. Just five of you guys? Okay, wait a minute. We've We've got a problem over here. 
No, I'm messing with you guys, but... <laughs> I know, probably like smiley people just didn't hear exactly what I... No, if, if, if you've prayed, if you've prayed, Lord, here, and when I say that, I'm not saying that you've said, Lord, send me as a pastor, as a minister, as a missionary, but just simply saying, Lord, here I am, send me. I think a lot of us have. If not most Christians have prayed that prayer. We read it, it's aspiring, it's like, yeah, that, that, that's me. And we pray it. And then God will answer. He'd be like, really? That's so awesome because we need people in the children's ministry. Ugh. A kid's slobber and they're so energetic and it's just like, I don't know if I'm called to that, but, but, but here am I, Lord, send me. All right, awesome, we need ushers. But they gotta get there early and they gotta, they leave late. But, but here am I, Lord, send me. And so he'll keep presenting these things and we've always got excuses, but we're still saying that same thing. And basically it's like, mm, let me serve the way I wanna serve. And obviously, uh, perfect time to announce that there is another need for one more teacher, right, for the Jewish ministry? <laughs> People usually only want those positions that are highly esteemed. Ministries that get you attention. It's our nature. It's our human nature. Fireworks are a really big thing in Acapulco. They're awesome. They're, they're wonderful, really. They, they grab everyone's attention. But after some quick burst of lights, some thunderous sounds, you're only left with ashes and dirty pavement. It's actually in Acapulco. The day after New Year is like the most ugliest, disgusting day. Um, even though it was cool for a moment, it, it, there's just trash everywhere. A lighthouse, in comparison, also gives light, has no cool colors, doesn't make awesome explosions or any explosions, and it does the same thing all the time. Just one color, no sound, by itself, sometimes unpainted, just look ugly. However, a lighthouse as ugly and as old as it may be has saved thousands of lives. Why? By being faithful. That's what it is. They, they count on the faithfulness of that lighthouse. I don't care what you look like. I don't care the sounds you make, how beautiful, how many followers you have in social media. Just be faithful. But sadly, too many people now want to be the fireworks and have all the followers, have all the likes. It's a temptation for all of us. It's a temptation for me. But it just r- reminds me the impact of what faithfulness really does. So one of the reasons that faithfulness is so important is because that in ministry, there's always a need and there are many that depend on us. Now, I know I'm talking about ministry right now, but when I talk about faithfulness, this is in all areas. This is in your job, in your school, in your study, and whatever you're doing in your marriage. It applies for all those areas. But here I'm talking to a church where we're servants and we're called to serve the community. What happens is this. In the ministry, there's many that depend on us. And the ministry is 24-7. It doesn't mean that we have to work 24-7. We can't do that. And we're not called to work 24-7. And we're not the Holy Spirit. Let that be clear. But when servants don't fulfill their responsibilities, when they're not faithful, it causes a burden on the church because now we've got to find someone else to cover. And you think, well, that's not a problem. I mean, yeah, it happens. There's no problem with covering. But when it happens all the time, now you got a servant Instead of doing excellence, giving excellence to that one ministry, well, now they're divided. they got to do two ministries. We can do that. We can, that. There's no problem with that. But then after a while, you start to get tired. And then once you get tired, you start to get frustrated. And then when you're frustrated, you start to get bitter and bicker about all these other people. And so once you have that bad attitude, then you yourself are just not pleasant to be around. Really, it happens. You get burnt out and you're tired and everyone's, oh my God, these people are this and that and that. But if we had those servants that are saying, you know, hey, count on me, we'd all be fresh. It'd be, there's a season for it. 
there's seasons for where you have to work double, triple shifts and stuff like that, yeah. But if it's like that all the time, it's going to affect the church. You know, serving is a, for lack of a better way to word it, we're in the people business. We're here to serve people and to love on them, to share the love of Christ. But we can get pretty ugly sometimes and do the complete opposite and do more damage. Because, like I said, it, it, it happens. You got to keep in mind the laborers are few. We need every servant we can get. But when each one takes this place, wow, we can work so much better and be more efficient. Faithfulness requires commitment. One of the most difficult issues in the church today is finding committed people, like I had mentioned. And why why isn't there some commitment? Apart from, I think, excuses that can happen, day-to-day things. And, and I'm not saying we can't have legitimate reasons why we don't can't show up to our ministries. I I know exactly that it's completely... I mean, I, I, I do, do it myself, step away, get a relief, take time with my family. So I'm not condemning. I'm not saying that you can't ever miss. No, not at all. I'm not saying that. But one of the reasons, though, there is no commitment... It's because sometimes we can see serving God as like an option, optional thing. Well, ministry is kind of optional. That's like an extra. My, my, job, that, my job needs me. I need to be there. But working for the Lord, serving, you know, this is like kind of volunteer work. I'm not getting paid for it. And I don't think that's the right mentality because obviously in our secular job, we show up early. We even leave late if we have to. We fulfill the requirements and we'll do it for years. And not even complain about it. Well, I think the Church of God should get a little bit more of that uh, of that same attitude, right? It's what I do, and we do it with joy. I think we should give God the same. So, if, if you have to clean the bathrooms, maybe may they be the cleanest bathrooms in all Astoria, working with excellence. If you're not sure, that you hope you give the best welcome possible. You're the first face a lot of people see, and if you're bitter and have a bad attitude, that's going to be the first impression. I mean, it's, it's huge. That's a huge ministry. Don't underestimate the ministry the Lord's given you. Now, maybe you're saying, well, I'm really just not qualified. When we talk about serving, I don't have gifts, talents to offer. What can I do? And closing now. Read Luke, open to Luke 7.28. Is Jesus speaking? Ah, man, this is awesome. I tell you, Luke 7, 28. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That's crazy, right? He said, and all those that have served, man, there is none like John. Well, let me ask you this. How many miracles did John do? That would be fine in the scripture. Zero. You don't find not one miracle. But yet he's the greatest? Well, what was his message? It was simple. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Man, being faithful to the gospel. So so you don't have to have all these big gifts, talents. Just know the gospel, own the gospel, share the gospel, be faithful to it. And you fall in that category with John the Baptist. Man, that blessed my heart. You don't need talents. You don't need to be super smart. You just need to be faithful to the Lord and to his gospel. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that (laughs) reminds us how sometimes we make it harder than it really is. Father, I pray for us that maybe haven't been faithful. Maybe we've never really even considered it as something, as an inquirement that you look for. Lord, especially during these days, I pray that we would so be faithful to your gospel. Be completely given over to your work, whatever how that looks, however that looks. 
knowing, Father, that if we just simply decide to show up, to be a part, to be obedient, that you're going to get the glory. You're going to do your work. You're going to reach our city, our state. So, Father, help us not underestimate the power of faithfulness. Bless this beautiful church family for their faithfulness throughout the years that has impacted our family and our ministry more than they will ever know. And I ask that you would, in turn, open the floodgates and bless them even more that they would continue with that same heart, same attitude to serve you in everything they do. Father, for anyone that doesn't even know your gospel, that maybe have come here, I pray that this morning they would acknowledge that they are sinners like every single one of us. And as sinners... We're destined to punishment. But you, Lord, in your great and profound love, came, suffered the consequences of our sin. You died and you resurrected the third day and that if they put their faith in you, in your faithfulness, they can leave these doors having the assurance of salvation. So I ask that you would minister right now and speak to every heart. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love you. I appreciate you from the depths of my heart. God bless you guys. Here for a sec. Stacy, would you mind coming up here too? I just want to pray for these guys and have you guys join me. And they'll be around after service. You guys can come chat with them and ask them any questions you have. But let's go ahead and pray for these guys. Lord God. Thank you so much for Hassan and Stacy and Lord. I, I just uh, agree with that word in that when I think of that word faithfulness, I the, these are definitely two people, them and their family, that um, fall into that category, Lord. Just really being asked to do many different things um, down while they've been serving you in Mexico, just um, starting out with just overseeing an orphanage and, and now running a church, Lord, uh, just faithfully pastoring and discipling men and women and raising up to know you and, and then sending them out so they can do the same thing and a whole bunch of different things being asked to do in between and just always just showing up, being available, uh, being faithful with whatever it is you want them to do and you taking that and, and multiplying it and just doing such great things through it, Lord. And we're, we're thankful for them and the example they've set for us. We're humbled that you would allow us to come alongside them and support them. And Father, I, I pray that um, as they go forward in, in very much somewhat of a new season without their, their kids with them, um, not necessarily having more time, but just time to do different things, you would continue to go in front of them and lead them into those things you have uh, in the power of your spirit. Lord, uh, I know how sometimes it can be lonely when you're you're down and, and you're constantly pouring into other people away from your family and your friends. Lord, I just pray supernaturally that you would um, fill that void with your presence in their lives and that your closeness and, and the comfort that brings would just continually propel them forward into all you have for them, Lord. And they would just continue to see the evidence of your grace, just as Hassan has shared and that we see, and it would be a big encouragement, Lord, uh, right and up until that time that you come back to get us, Father. So, Father, um, may we remember them in our prayers um, in our thoughts, may we reach out to him when you're telling us to, to, to offer those words of encouragement. And uh, Lord, we pray for um, opportunities to come down alongside them and serve them physically as you see fit. And uh, uh, just continue to provide for all the, all the things you want to do down there. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, um, before we go, what a great message to just uh, spend some time responding to. You know, I, 
I, I just really resonate with that because if there's one thing that I could attribute to the Lord being able to do what he's wanted to do in my life since that greatest day of it when I got saved when I was 20 years old, it was just being available and being faithful. I didn't have some seminary degree. Um, I didn't earn my way or there's no great thing about me that that brought me to the place I am right now, my relationship with the Lord that allowed me to, to pastor a church. It was just being so grateful that God would save a wretch like me and willingly wanting him to give every aspect of my life, just whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. I just I just want to be faithful. And that has amounted to a whole lot of different things in my life. But there's this principle through the word of if you're faithful with a little, you'll be given much. And I've seen that in other people's lives. I've seen that in my own life that God, if you're just willing to listen and obey and show up, he's got great, great things to do through every one of us. And that's really what allows him to show his presence in your life more than anything else because there is nobody more faithful than him. Amen. So we'll have our prayer team around the room. And I encourage you guys, if the, if the Lord is speaking to you on something, maybe it's even just asking him, Lord, is, is there, am I being faithful in my life? Is there something in my life that I'm not being faithful in that I need to obey? Maybe you even know what that is right now. The Holy Spirit's telling you. Or maybe you're just, you're in a sweet spot. You're, you're, you're in that spot of knowing, no, I'm just, I just want to keep being faithful right to the end, right till I go into that, his presence. And I hear that well done, good and faithful servant. That's all the Lord asks of us. That's all he wants. But just do some, spend that time with the Lord right now. If you need prayer about anything specific, come up and get prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much. You make it so easy, Lord. I can complicate it so badly, putting all these unnecessary expectations on myself that you never ask when all you say is just just be faithful. Just listen and obey. Just be there, and I'll do the rest. I'll lead you. I'll tell you what to do. I'll empower you to do it. Lord, if, if there's anyone here that's kind of overcomplicated their lives, kind of sensing that right now and and just put a bunch of expectations and they feel like they're disappointing you when you never asked any of that you just you just want them to be there and be available i pray you'd free them of any guilt or condemnation they're feeling lord i pray if there's things that we're not being faithful and somehow we're missing out we're maybe divided distracted by something else that you bring those to our attention right now and whether it makes sense or not, we just listen and obey. From this point forward, we, well, I'm going to do it because the Lord said, I'm going to be there. And we wouldn't miss out on all the great things you want to do in our lives. Be with us in this time, Lord. Speak to us individually. In Jesus' name, amen.